They have a combined 12 years in the National Football League. They combined for 65 career sacks, 232 tackles, one Pro Bowl selection, and one Employee of the Month award. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. It's Train and Gross on the All AZ Podcast Network. Welcome in episode 80 of Train and Gross. B-Train, Bertrand Berry, Mike Gross, Sean Crespin. Thanks for tuning in this evening. B-Train, episode 80, doing my research. One and only Jerry Rice. There is no other number 80 when we look at uh, who we recognize at the top of the podcast. Mike, that's it. That's the list. The great Jerry Rice had the pleasure of playing against him on a couple of occasions. And uh, I can say that he is truly one of the best players I've ever faced. And uh, much respect to him and his Hall of Fame career one of the all-time greats. Uh, regular listeners to the podcast know that uh, we typically record Train and Gross on Wednesday evenings here in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Last night, we were getting ready to do our thing, and uh, the power went out here in central Phoenix, and uh, we were knocked off the schedule, so we had to reconvene tonight. That happened to be a lucky turn of events for us because mid-morning this morning, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals agree on a contract extension He'll be a Cardinal for at least six more seasons. Big number uh, and lots of questions around that. But, you know, for for you look at this, uh, Kyler Murray, the distraction at least is gone. He's got the deal done. The team's coming to camp next week. They can answer all the questions day one, get it out of the way. Teammates, coaches, Kyler, answer those questions, and they can focus on uh, the season at hand. Yeah, Mike, and you look at the numbers of this deal, it's going to be the second highest – uh, annual pay for a a player in the NFL and for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I know there was a lot of back and forth between the two during the negotiations. Uh, it, I felt like both sides didn't handle it the best at times, but they were able to uh, come to a decision and, and, and cooler heads prevailed. And, and now you have Kyler Murray in the mix for the foreseeable future. And I think for a lot of people in the organization, as well as uh, most in the fan base, they're very happy to know that Kyle Murray will be under center for the foreseeable future. Well, and, you know, a lot of it got ugly early on. You know, Eric Burthart, Eric Burthart, uh, Kyler Murray's agent, sent out a letter almost immediately uh, at the conclusion of the season saying, essentially, pay my quarterback, pay my man, pay my client. He's the face of this franchise and really forced the issue early on, got it very public very early. You know, we have the scrubbing of the uh, – the social media accounts, everything that went with it. So it got ugly early. Um, part of that's just the, the, the nasty side, the behind-the-scenes side of business that sometimes gets public. You know, the, the, you know, you don't always get to see how the sausage is made, but it does happen from time to time, and that's what happened with the Arizona Cardinals in this situation. Mm-hmm. Good. And you start thinking about the last game that Kyler Murray played, that playoff game against the Rams, not the greatest of looks. He, he, he did not have a great game. Actually took himself out of the game, Mike. Uh, we talked about the, the, the body language and, and uh, the way that Kyler carried himself at times. It was very questionable. And to come off of that performance, to be asking for that kind of money, I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And for the, the, the fan base to see him now rewarded with this new deal, I think there's some people that are going to feel some kind of way. But I think overall – there's going to be a, a kiss and makeup, if you will, especially when you've got $230 and a half million to kiss and make up about. 
um, you can find a way to work together and 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 work towards a common goal, which is winning a Super Bowl and 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 getting this team to where it's trying to go. Is it pro- professional sports, and in this case, the starting quarterback in the NFL, to show me business? Win your games, perform well, and your you, fans will forgive and forget. Winning cures everything, and and the one thing that you've seen with Kyler Murray from the first year until his third year, you saw this team progress. They got more and more wins each year, and in that respect, yes, you saw progress and you saw an opportunity for this team to get better, and and you saw Kyler Murray actually get better as a two-time Pro Bowler. And so uh, there, there are a lot of positives that you could take from Kyler, but I think when you start looking at other situations and, and how they're handled and the fact that, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray both had the same agent. Kyler, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's a, uh, deal was was done much smoother and much more behind the scenes than Kyler Murray. And you just wonder, was there some sort of script and, and, and why this became so public, why he chose to go such a different route in reference to his, his client as the player as opposed to his client as the coach? Yeah, that, that'll, that'll be a question. Maybe somebody will write a book someday. And we'll get the answer on that. I mean, the short answer to me is player deals are tougher with the, you know, everything that goes into them and the, and the, the uh, salary cap. And let's be honest, the quarterback makes a hell of a lot more money than the coach does right now. Um, but I'd love to be on a fly on the wall while that was going on and find out what the tactics were and the negotiations, that sort of thing. What about the locker room, B-Train? You've always told us, like, this is 52 independent contractors. You got your deal. I got my deal. You, you wish for the best for your teammates, but you don't let – yourself get bogged down or concerned in another man's business when it comes to that. But what about the other part of that, the distraction that a situation like a contract with a starting quarterback would be? Am I right at the outset when I said it takes a distraction off the table, the players won't have to answer questions, and in the long run, is that a good thing for a locker room and a team as they prepare for the season? All individual players are not created equal. And if you're talking about a guy that's number 46 to 53 on the roster with the contract issue, you're not even hearing about it, Mike. But the fact that you're talking about the former number one overall draft pick, the starting quarterback for your franchise, that is going to garner much attention. And I think for the players in the locker room, they're going to try to treat it the same, but there are going to be pockets of players that are going to have their own individual feelings about how this whole thing came down and how they were ultimately able to get what they wanted but just the, the, the way that it happened, I think maybe ruffled some of the feathers, if yeah. you will, pun intended, of some of, the, uh, of some of the players in the locker room. But ultimately, they know that Kyler Murray's coming back. They know that they have a chance to win. And that's all that they ultimately care about as individual players. Do I have a chance to win a Super Bowl with this guy in the mix? And the answer is yes. You're much better along and much further along with Kyler Murray than you would be without him. Let's zoom out and take a look at this from a league perspective. Kyler Murray now become, at least for the time being, uh, the second highest paid player on an annual basis. Yes. Uh, but one thing that didn't happen that was a big question, and we talked about this with the Cleveland contract with uh, Deshaun Watson, is how much of this is guaranteed? And the question was, will now quarterbacks going forward get fully guaranteed contracts like Cleveland offered their, con- or their quarterback when they brought him over from Houston? We know now the answer is no. Mm. I mean, look, nobody's feeling bad for Kyler because even the numbers that are guaranteed, they're huge numbers. But the contract is not fully guaranteed. Did that surprise you 
And did you think that Cleveland would be kind of be trendsetters in that regard and we would start to see much more action in terms of those fully guaranteed contracts? I was a little surprised as far as Kyler not asking for more guaranteed money. I thought maybe he would be looking at, okay, if Deshaun Watson, a guy who hadn't played the previous year and had all of the baggage that he brought with him can get 230 guaranteed. I've been a guy that's been here every day doing what I can to help this team win. I thought maybe the, 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 the base asking would be 200, right? We can go 200 and then we can go from there. But uh, the fact is, I think a lot of the incentives will be easy to reach. And I think this is a, a, a deal that really helps the Cardinals out because they've got some other players that are going to be coming up and they're going to need to take care of. And if Kyler really cares about winning, then you saw him take a little less guaranteed money to save for some of the other guys. And, and I thought uh, that was a great move on his part, very shrewd move. But uh, make no mistake, he's going to see all of that contract. He's going to see all of that money. And the fact that it still is a win-win for him on a publicity standpoint and as from a, uh, a monetary standpoint, you know, he's getting the whole bag. I, I yep. think this is going to be ultimately be a good thing for the Cardinals as they roll on to, to the future. From what I understand, and again, the de- devil's in the details to your point, but Kyler Murray signing this contract freed up between four and five million dollars of cap space just by he, him signing the, the deal or when he ultimately does sign the deal for this season alone. So point taken there and the ability to take care of his teammates. Sticking with the NFL view of this, now the all eyes on the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. and their contract or their quarterback still not with the deal done. And obviously they sit much, much closer physically and otherwise to the Cleveland Browns and the contract that they handed out. And uh, again, the same situation in Baltimore where their clock's ticking, camp's, camp's coming, and uh, they have not resolved the situation with their quarterback to date. No, they have not. And and when you start looking at usage, Mike, and you start looking at importance to the team, I think Lamar Jackson is even more valuable to his team than Deshaun Watson is to the Cleveland Browns or Kyler Murray to the Arizona Cardinals. So if you're Lamar Jackson, you've just basically secured your bag. You're you're going to be, I've said, you're going to ask for 230 guaranteed plus two. That, that, that's where we start. We start with his contract, and then we just bump it up $2 million or maybe a mil five because we just saw Kyler get overall 230.5. Now, if you're Lamar Jackson, a guy who has an MVP trophy, which neither Deshaun Watson nor Kyler Murray have, he's going to ask for a little bit more. And I think with everything that is built around Baltimore for Lamar Jackson, he's in a much better position to ask for that and actually get it. And what about the fully guaranteed scenario for Lamar Jackson, again, with that proximity to the Cleveland Browns? Is that something if you're advising? He doesn't have an agent. He's doing this himself. So if you're advising him, is that a line in the sand that you say, man, you got to dig in here and go for it? Or is it just getting a deal done that you can live with and you think actually represent what you mean to the Baltimore Ravens? Well, you have to look at it twofold, Mike. You have to look at it for yourself. What is going to be that number that you feel comfortable with, that you can walk in every day and feel comfortable saying, hey, I got the best deal for myself and my situation. But then you look at future quarterbacks coming up. If you take less, then they're going to use the lesser of the two to use as the baseline for starting contracts for up-and-coming quarterbacks. You know, there's going to be a few. You think about Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like there, there's going to be guys, Justin Herbert, these guys are going to all be looking for that bag as well. And, and if you're Lamar Jackson, yeah, you're thinking mostly about myself, but then that is a, a fraternity of those quarterbacks. And so you've got to be able to uh, hold the line for those guys coming behind you to make sure that they get treated fairly as well. That's a, that's a really, really good point, B. Trent, because you look at the class, last couple of classes of quarterbacks that are still playing on their rookie deals right now, and you've got to think that they and their agents are just licking their chops, just waiting, just waiting for their turn because these numbers, again, you know, it's monopoly money when you're talking about the average public. Uh, and, you know, at some point it just becomes looking at numbers relative to that. But on the business side, like we always talk about, this is, this is uh, something, like I said, that agents and players are just licking their chops and waiting for their turn. And, you know, we talk about Kyler being the, on an annual basis, being the second highest paid quarterback. That's going to last about a minute. And, uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, don't feel bad for Kyler. He mm -hmm. signed it and he and his agent got the deal. But, you know, at some point, you know, we'll look up and he might not even be in the top 10 when the dust settles uh, and future contracts are done. Coming back to the Cardinals real quick. Um, Another story that, because of everything that happened, kind of got swept under the rug, is that Rodney Hudson, uh, whatever his issue was, and, and some of the stories started to break about what it was, uh, Rodney Hudson has informed the team that he will, in fact, be in camp and he's ready to go. Uh, and I think this is a, a story that you can help us understand because it wasn't necessarily a money thing with Rodney Hudson. He was coming off an injury, and he was questioning whether or not he still wants to play. And he, uh, he just had a new, a new baby in the family and he's made a lot of money and maybe it was time just to set that aside and, and get on with the next chapter in his life. But he and his family and, and, and his close circle decided, you know what, I'm ready to go. I'll be there. But we've talked about that before. And I know you've shared stories, not names necessarily, but that's a hard decision. As your career goes on, you get older, you're coming off injuries and you start to question certain things and whether or not you're ready to go mentally. Because whatever it is with Rodney Hudson, and I know when you're playing on the offensive line in the NFL from stories I've heard from you and others, it's a physical business. But it becomes more of a mental thing at that point than a physical thing, doesn't it, B-Train? Absolutely, it's a physical, a mental thing. And, and when you get to that point in your career where you're double digits plus, it becomes a year-to-year -year proposition. Do you really want to put in the work this offseason to go into another season? And it's not about the 17 games that you're going to play on Sundays. You, you, can, you can get through those no matter what. You can get through those with your eyes closed. It's the, the mini camps. It's the training. It's the, the OTAs. It's the, 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 the practice day in and day out. It's the meetings. Do you really want to do that? You start looking at your bank account and you start adding those numbers up like – okay, how much do I really need to feel comfortable to go forward with the rest of my life and, and, and be able to live comfortable? And if that number is right in your bank account, then you may have a different response. And so I think for him, it's, a, it's an honest answer. I think they, the Cardinals understand how important he is, so they were going to give him all the, the leeway he needed to make a, uh, a, an informed decision and a, and a heartfelt decision. And I think there was a collective sigh of relief, even with Kyler Murray, if, yeah. <laughs> that uh, he decided to come back because we know how valuable he was just last year with his presence on the field as opposed to him not being on the field. And so I, I thought, yeah, everybody gave all the attention to Kyler as far as whether he was going to be here. But Rodney Hudson was as important to this offense as any other player, even a DeAndre Hopkins, who from a talent standpoint probably is the best, but – as far as, as important, 
nobody was as important as Rodney Hudson. And the, the, from the outside looking in, but from somebody who's been there, do we feel a little bit better about the rationale of why Rodney Hudson skipped the mandatory camp? Because for a while there, the question was, well, he, he, he doesn't like the Cardinals anymore. He's going to demand a trade. Uh, he wants more money. It's a contract thing. Uh, do we feel any better that it's not some of the, you know, uh, the, 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 the worst case scenario that some people were floating when he was uh, unexcused from the mandatory camp? Mike, the two groups of people that are the most honest are young people and old people. And Rodney Hudson, in football terms, is an old person. Right. And he's telling you exactly what he was thinking. He didn't say that it was about being traded or going somewhere else. He was talking about his football mortality and the fact that he may not have wanted to play because sometimes when you go through the day in and day out of, of getting yourself ready to play, sometimes you just don't feel like doing it. And if you can't commit to this particular sport 100%, it's best that you go ahead and retire. And I think the one, the one standard that I've always had, Mike, if you can say the word retire as a mm. current player, it's probably a good idea to go ahead and retire. But if you can't get that word out in reference to yourself, then you probably still got a little bit left and you still got more competitive juices flowing than the, the juices that are pushing you out the door towards bigger and better things and the rest of your life. How, how real is that? Because I'm going to share a story again, not a name, but a story, but you and I were getting to do ready to do a radio show one day back mm -hmm. in back. It had to be 2012 or 2013. Uh -huh. And right, right before training camp started and you were on the phone while we were getting ready to do the story and or to do the show, excuse me. And you were talking to a former teammate who was sitting in his car and he was conflicted. He was seriously conflicted about getting in his car and driving to camp. That's real. And that happens. Mike, I cried every time I got in that car because I knew I was sacrificing a month, at least a month of my life to go and do something that I've wanted to do my whole life. It didn't mean that there were uh, certain times where I wasn't going to feel like it. I knew what it demanded. It demanded uh, a certain buy-in from an individual to, to put your body literally on the line to go out and, and, and pursue your dream. And most people would think, yeah, that's easy because you get to go out and play. You're talented enough to do it, but that doesn't mean you always want to do it. Yeah. And when you have to leave your family, you, 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 you're pulled away from that, 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 that family environment and, and you're taken away for a long period of time, uh, that, that's hard. And depending on uh, what your relationship is with your family, some guys can handle that and some guys can't. All right, we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, you know, obviously training camp right around the corner, but Kyler under contract and uh, let the 2022 season commence. On the other side, News from the Phoenix Suns. We'll get to that coming up next on Train and Gross. Train and Gross. Welcome back in Train and Gross. Give us a follow on Twitter at Train and Gross. Kind of neat how that works. Um, so obviously the Kyler Murray story takes top billing, but uh, since the last time B-Train, you and I were together, DeAndre Ayton's situation kind of uh, took care of itself. And just a high-level recap for, for our listeners, uh, DeAndre Ayton signed an offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers uh, that the Suns almost immediately matched. And essentially, what DeAndre signed up for is a four-year deal worth about $133 million, or, or you uh, 
you know, kind of factor that into a uh, annual salary of $33.25 million per year. Now, uh, a couple thoughts on this. Number one, did Indiana really want DeAndre Ayton? Because they didn't put anything in that contract other than four years, 133. And, you know, they could have put some, you know, uh, some stipulations in there that may have made it more difficult for Robert Sarver to match. They didn't do that. And so it really was a no-brainer for the Phoenix Suns to, to – to sign that offer sheet or to match mm-hmm. that offer sheet that he got. The other thing that it did, and I appreciate all the reporting here locally kind of breaking this down, had the Suns offered him the max deal because they owned his rights, that max deal would have been a five-year deal worth $180 million. So they, they didn't commit to the extra year, and they saved themselves doing the math 40-some million dollars. Uh, and that's a real that's real money because of the situation that the Suns and Robert Sarver find themselves in with the training camp. So maybe that was their plan all along. And then the last thing about this is, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, he can't be traded any place until January the 15th. And he can veto any trade for one year. So DeAndre Ayton, I think in large measure, gets what he wanted. He gets that big deal. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily as big if it was the five-year deal. They got a four-year deal, 133, and he will be on the Phoenix Suns until at least January 15th. I'm guessing he'll be here longer. Hey, Mike, this was a big game of chicken between the Phoenix Suns and DeAndre Aiden. They didn't want to pay him the money. They dared him to go out and find somebody that would give him the money. He found a suitor in the Indiana Pacers, and they found themselves in a situation where we just can't let this guy walk for nothing. And we, we, we do have value. We just didn't value him at quite the highest dollar that he was eligible for. And so I think if you're DeAndre Ayton, you won. You've got the money. It may not have been every penny that you looked for, but $133 million, that's still doing pretty darn good. Last I checked, Mike, and uh, for how he finished last year and, and how he's progressed or not progressed during the course of his career as the former number one overall pick, I think he still came out of this smelling like roses. He got the money, and no matter what, uh, he has a little bit of control over his future, at least for the calendar year. So good for DeAndre Aiden. He's still not getting his nickname back, but until I see a little more improvement, uh, he will be DeAndre Aiden until further notice. Now, the, the interesting thing here is, and, and you know, people are always out there with their second guessing and, and how this thing could have played out, is the Kevin Durant situation still unresolved? And, you know, there was some speculation that it would be a multi-team deal that the Suns engaged in with a sign-and-trade with DeAndre Ayton because, again, up until the time he signed with Indiana, Mm -hmm. the the Suns held all the cards in terms of putting a number there. And, you know, there's some speculation that Utah could have been involved because of what they're doing, Uh, you know, other teams that are out there, and it could have been – uh, because, because And the reason that's important, apparently New Jersey had no interest in a straight-up deal, uh, and it would have had to have been, you know, other players included, but it, essentially the principles being DeAndre Ayton for Kevin Durant. They had no interest in that, uh, so you would have had to pull other teams in. So uh, understanding how that was going to work out and understanding that the Suns uh, maybe weren't as committed as they, they seemed initially, um, you know, are we surprised that Kevin Durant didn't get something done? And you know, from all indication, that deal is now on the back burner and uh, maybe, uh, if you believe the so-called experts, even on life support. Mike, all you have to do is look at the recent happenings around the NBA. You look at Rudy Gobert 
and how he was able to get a big-time deal uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves and, and what they had to give up as far as compensation. Danny Ainge is a shrewd businessman. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he is going to get everything that he wants for these big names. And you start talking about Donovan Mitchell, a guy that they've been shopping in recent history. I, I, I'm not sure how this was going to play out, but uh, with, with Kevin Durant, I, I could actually see a scenario where he's still in Brooklyn start at the start of the season because you're not going to just make a deal for a deal's sake when you start talking about one of the arguably best players in all the NBA. And what we've seen, the going price for big-time players uh, being, you know, what, five players and, and draft picks? I mean, if, if they're getting that, what is Kevin Durant going to demand? So I, I just wonder if you're Brooklyn, you just sit tight – uh, you've got Kevin Durant's rights for the next four years. Uh, he can't do anything unless you approve it. So they hold all the cards. And then you even throw in Kyrie Irving, as much of a headache as he's been, they're not going to necessarily get, uh, you know, on the dollar, you know, value as well. So you, you just kind of wait and see how this thing is going to play out. Why just take a deal at this point in the season? Nobody's even uh, reporting. just – crowned the, the Golden State Warriors uh, as champions uh, just a month ago. So there, there's no rush in, in any of these deals. And I just think that uh, we're, we're going to be playing a waiting game for quite some time because the, the, the better the player gets, the more, the, the more sticky the, the, the trade demands are going to become. And so uh, I, I'll, I'll sit and wait patiently because I think it's going to be a while. Well, you break up Rudy Gobert, and I think that's a really good point. You know, do we call Rudy Gobert the Lamar Jackson of the NBA, where he set the market, right? Yeah. You know, and, you know, when I think of, you know, I mean, he's a good player, but when I think of NBA greats. He has Rudy, his limits. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's well put. And, you know, the fact that, you know, they were able to get that kind of haul from the Timberwolves really did set the bar high. And if you're, if you're the Nets – you know, you talk about what's the reaction to Kyler Murray from the fans here. What's the reaction from the Nets fans? And that's a New York-ish fan base, those hardcore mm -hmm. East Coast fan base. You know, you can't trade him for – and I know the numbers have to work out, but it can't be a bunch of uh, no-name type players that just get put together to make the numbers work. you got to get something in return if you're the Nets. The other interesting thing that I heard from a, a beat writer, I was listening to ESPN Radio, and I can't tell you who that was, but somebody who covers the Nets – day in and day out and said, look, Kevin Durant wants out of New, New Jersey. There's no – or Brooklyn now. There's no question about that. However, Kevin Durant will not sit out. Kevin Durant will not miss games. Kevin Durant is about Kevin Durant and creating Kevin Durant's legacy. And for every game he doesn't play, that hurts his numbers. That hurts his standing. So Kevin Durant wants out. He's going to continue behind the scenes to force his way out. But he will not sit out games. He will not hold out. He will not, he will not do that to his legacy – uh, in order to force the deal out of New, uh, out of Brooklyn. But Mike, the one thing I will say that Kevin Durant is actively doing to tarnish his legacy is moving to another location. When you're a great player like Kevin Durant, you started out in Oklahoma, or you started in Seattle, then you went to Oklahoma City, that was a team deal, that wasn't your deal. But then you go to Golden State. You go from Golden State, you win two, you get hurt, you should have won three, then you go to Brooklyn, you want to win one on your own doesn't work in Brooklyn, where is the next spot? You're running out of spots if you're Kevin Durant, a guy that is a truly all-time great. And for him to continue to, to team hop like this, 
I think this is only going to make him look weaker and weaker as time goes on. And you're not, you're not settling your roots anywhere. And, and uh, for a guy that has that type of ability to be a, a franchise game changer, I, I just think there's so much movement. It, it is, it's not going to look well when we take a step back and we look at his career 10 years from retirement. Like, what will be the, the lasting image of Kevin Durant? What, what jersey will he have on, for goodness sake? You, right. you don't even know. So there, there's a lot of questions. LeBron didn't catch as much flag because he at least went back to Cleveland. But it, with Kevin Durant, it seems as if, like, every three years – you know, he seems to be wanting to go somewhere else. He's, he's suffering from wanderlust. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I would really love for him to stay in Brooklyn, try to work this out, and, and maybe run it back and maybe uh, uh, be in contention for a title. And speaking of uh, running it back, let's bring it back here locally. And, and that's the question, right? Because, again, if this deal for Kevin Durant, at least for the time being, is on life support, then the Suns will run it back such as it is. And, uh, you know, again, conversations that I wish I could have heard or been a fly on the wall for, uh, you know, with the Suns, we saw how the season ended, of course, but buried within that was the reaction or the interaction between DeAndre Ayton and the head coach at the end of that Dallas game. You know, what was the conversations between uh, the coach and the front office as they kind of hashed this out? But now they're, they're, they're married to each other now for, you know, as long, at least until January 15th, but I'm guessing – longer than that um so running it back uh how we feel about that scenario for the phoenix Suns? well i think this gives them the best chance to win mike but then you start to look at the landscape of the western conference there's a lot of teams that are getting better of course golden state isn't going anywhere you start looking at the dallas mavericks who just ended your season this this past playoffs you got the L.A. Clippers are going to get healthy. The Nuggets are going to get healthy. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are going to get healthy. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are going to be – and the New Orleans Pelicans, they're Pelicans. going to get healthy. So there's a lot of teams that are, are going to be jumbled in that, that, that three, to, three to eight area for the Western Conference. So I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you think maybe they come back to earth. You know, the fact that they had, what was it, 64 wins last year? Yep. Just on the fact that the the whole conference will be stronger, you maybe take about four to five wins off of that that total. You know, you can still see them hovering around 55, 60 wins, but will that be enough to get a top seed? And and can they survive without having the number one overall seed and, and make a run like we've seen the last couple of years? Well, and and what do they do? You know, because to your point, where you you make that uh, great run during the regular season last year, set a franchise record for wins in a regular season which is nice, but like, do you adjust your approach to the regular season to say, that's great, but we need a deeper run into the postseason, a la what we did two seasons ago when we start to have this conversation, you know, so particularly, you know, with, with Chris Paul, like, do you manage Chris Paul differently throughout the course of this season so that you have him for the duration and, and not what we saw towards the end of this. Now I know there was a story that broke that said, you know, the Suns were dealing with COVID during the NBA uh, series, uh, playoff series against the Mavericks. And there is speculation that that was Chris Paul. So no amount of load management, Sean Crespin's favorite term, uh, is going to save, save your player during postseason. But I think, again, he's going to be you know 38 years old when this po- next postseason rolls around. I think it's a serious question that the Suns have to look at to find out what's really the goal. 
you know, and, and setting regular season wins uh, records is not the goal for this team as it's currently made up. No, it is not. And I think for Chris Paul, he understands that, yeah, you may take a little bit of a hit not playing 82 games or, or 78 games or however many, but this is about the big picture, not the the regular season. And, and we've seen when he is healthy, this team looks much different on the court. And without yeah. him, uh, it, it's just not the same. Even though you've got Devin Booker, who's probably the, the, the better player and, and just as – or as a – a, a valuable player, he's not as important as Chris Paul. And right. when you start talking about his value to the team, you've got to have him on that court. Otherwise, you're not as strong as you should be. All right, real quickly before we get out of here on this segment, uh, not directly related to the Suns, but uh, a local guy, uh, well, college-wise, signs a, a two-year, 68, almost $69 million deal with the 76ers, James Harden. Uh, and you called it like he, you know, kind of step back for a minute knowing he's going to get his and allow them to do some business to bolster the team around him. And uh, he's got two more years uh, with the Sixers at a, a nice, healthy number. It's a nice, healthy number. But also remember, Mike, he does have a player option after the first year. So if he's bet on himself, he's, he said, hey, I'm going to get myself in the best shape that I can be in, which he hasn't done the last couple of years. Absolutely. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make sure that I'm around for the entire season. I'm not going to have any drama off the court. I'm not going to be worried about other players uh, and, and their situation and, and will they be there or won't they be there. I'm going to do everything I can to help this team. And, yeah, at the end of the year, if we are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals, you best believe I'll be exercising that player option and I'll be looking for that bag that I thought I was supposed to get all along. Well, and I think if you're a Sixers fan or if you're James Harden making that bet, you look at the landscape around you in the Eastern Conference, and that's a much easier mountain to climb than it is in the Western Conference. And so that's a safe, safer bet uh, for him playing in Philadelphia, I think. Yeah, Mike, you know, I look at the Eastern Conference, and I think it's very top-heavy. Of course, you got, the, you got the Bucks, you got the Celtics, you've got the Heat, and now you've got the Sixers. So one through four, those four are going to be very, very uh, tight all throughout the season. But then after that, there's a big fall-off. There's not a lot after those top four. So, yes, you're right. There will be a much easier road to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and ultimately the NBA Finals. Uh, I think with a motivated Joel Embiid, a guy that uh, he needs to stay healthy as well because when he went down, it seems as if the team wasn't quite the same when, in that series. And so um, looking at them, I just th – there's a lot of question marks. And, yeah. and if they can answer – and then with Coach Doc Rivers, does James Harden really respect Doc Rivers? Does Doc Rivers really like James Harden as his point guard? We know Doc Rivers has been – uh, notoriously hard on his point guards because he himself was a point guard back in yeah. the day. So you just wonder how all of those things are going to play out, but we'll see once the season kicks off. Well, we know you and your Doc Rivers, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take that with a grain of salt right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for the NBA talk. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, lots of news happening, but regular listeners to the podcast know we usually wrap things up with dad jokes, we got the spectacles on, looking very intelligent there. We're ready to go. And, and we are doing this remote, in case you can't tell. B-Train in his, uh, his man cave uh, out in the East Valley. I'm here in Phoenix. Sean doing his thing from uh, 
from he's probably on a paddleboard someplace seeing what i've seen from him lately <laughs> but uh you know I, I know based on on uh recent past like you know, you're gonna get the uh the the happy response to the uh to the dad joke but b train uh, i hear from people that's what they tune in for all, all the other stuff is window dressing they want to hear the dad joke so uh lay it on us all right here we go <clears throat> did you hear about the two thieves who stole a calendar I didn't hear about that, B Train. <laughs> they each got six months. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's actually pretty good. <laughs> that's actually very good. And you guys know uh, um, my wife is a school principal and she does the morning announcements. That's and right. she, she'll do some jokes over the morning announcements from time to time. Some of them I can share with her, That's like right. that one, that one, because I'll immediately get off this podcast and I'll say, all right, I got one for you. Some of them are not school friendly, of course, <laughs> <laughs> but that one absolutely is. That's going to do it for episode 80 of Training Gross. We appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Training Gross, and we'll see you next time for episode 81. We're holler.